0: Amen. So Genesis 37, we are moving into some, a favorite part of the, the scriptures for me. Um, I love the accounts of Joseph's life. Um, Joseph um, went through a lot. He experienced uh, so much uh, that I think most of us would have thrown in the towel really quickly. Um, had we not had the Lord with us. Uh, Joseph uh, himself, his strength came from the Lord. So when we read of these things and we see what happens in his life, understand that God is working in the background through his whole life and through all of his very extreme circumstances that he deals with. Uh, that, That we understand that Joseph wasn't just walking around as a super saint. You know, I think sometimes we can read the scriptures and go, hey, these people are super saints and understand, you know, Jeremiah is saying, I'm not going to talk anymore. You know, and, and you have uh, so many of them that that just when they went through things, uh, you know, normal people. You, you consider uh, Peter, who we uh, just uh, studied on Sunday, uh, just a normal man, just a fisherman. And you think of Matthew, a tax collector. These are normal people that when God moves powerfully in their lives, extraordinary things happen. But they don't walk around. They weren't born with their faces glowing. You know, uh, some of them uh, were born with specific callings on their lives. And uh, and they grew into that and, and those things. But all because of the power of the Spirit in them. So when we're considering what happens in Joseph's life, understand that it's God that's doing the work. Uh, and, and that, that when, when you see it, the, uh, when, what the culmination of Joseph being sold by his, his brothers, and when that kind of comes full circle and his brothers are standing in front of him and, uh, and he has the opportunity to take off their heads if he wanted to, he had the power, nobody would have batted an eye. But when Joseph has the opportunity to sit with this is a total spoiler alert but uh, uh, Joseph has the opportunity right he brings in his brothers and and they're they're crying out and he said what you intended for evil God intended for good okay so as we go into this this is a, he, he's a it's a fascinating study through through Joseph's life and to see what he had to face and what he went through so uh let's uh, let's get into it and uh, we'll hopefully get through Genesis 37 tonight. Verse 1, Now Jacob dwelled in a land where his father was a stranger, the land of Canaan. And this is the history of Jacob. So uh, we'll stop there after those words, and then we'll pick up the rest of verse 2 here in a minute. But uh, So Jacob settles in the land of Canaan. He had been kind of bouncing around, and uh, he he's settling down now. And uh, chapter 36 had summarized... His brother Esau's life and his lineage. Now the 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 focus is shifting uh, to Jacob and Jacob's lineages uh, lineage that comes from him. So Esau and his family, and it talks about them. Now Jacob and his sons. uh, They were they were mentioned in thirty six, and now we get into the further uh, part of the story here when it says, "You know, this is the history." So understand that those two were brothers, but the promise was to be worked through Jacob's life, not Esau's life. So uh, there's a summary of Esau's life and his lineage, but this is where the story continues, is in Jacob's life. Remember when they were born, uh, God had told them that the older was going to serve the younger. Uh, Remember? Because uh, Rebecca's all worried about what's going on in her belly. And she's like, something's wrong. And then there's the prophecy that the uh, that the older would serve the younger. So we study that in detail, so I'll just mention it again. But uh, the continued part of verse 2 says, Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his, all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also he made a tunic of many colors. So 17 year old kid, He's young. and uh, these, he's out feeding with, feeding the flock with his brothers. If you have an, uh, an ESV, it says he's out pastoring. That's what a pastor does. Pastor feeds. That's, that's the, the responsibility of the, the pastor, the shepherd, uh, is the feeding of the flock, guiding, protecting, serving the flock. Not to be, not to be served, but serving the flock. We should, no pastor should be running around with a crown on their head saying, and we've seen this happen before, and you've seen it in different, uh, uh, different uh, I'll, I'll call it cults, but, but, but where they'll, you know, hey, you can kiss my ring when I'm sitting here. You know, those types of things are, are, uh, should never be so for somebody that's leading a flock. The, the person leading the flock is the one that would go ahead of them, put themselves in, 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 uh, in, in, in danger uh, and in harm's way to protect the flock, and is also responsibility for the feeding, the guiding, the protecting. You think of, uh, of the responsibilities of somebody that's uh, called to lead something. You know, that's, that's what they're called to do. If somebody's called to a ministry, not necessarily just a full church, could be uh, a youth ministry, could be a children's ministry. Uh, it could, you know, you think of all the little lambs that are that are in uh, the nursery. You know, that, that we have people that are so tender to care for them. They're in there caring for them. They're making sure they're okay. You know, that's their responsibility is to guide them and, and, and lead them. So he's feeding the flocks with his flock with his brothers. We see that he's a faithful steward because he goes back and he's saying to his dad that is he brings a bad report. We don't know what that is. You know, where his brothers slacking off? Uh, where they? You know, were was part of the flock dying off and they don't care? Were they neglecting them? What what were they doing? We don't know. But there's there's a, a bad report that's brought back to uh, to Jacob. And uh, not even knowing what it is, but maybe they uh, weren't shepherding as they should. So, in our text that we've read here so far, is uh, that he, he loves him more than all of his other children. You guys see the theme? You see the theme, right? We saw it in Isaac's life. And then we see it happening in Jacob's life, where he has the, the favorite wife, you know, uh, Isaac. Isaac really loved Esau. Rebecca really loved uh, um, Joe. I almost said Joseph Jacob, right? So that house just started out divided. It was a divided home. Even the the house that that Jacob grew up in was divided. And we saw what that division brought him, right? You know, the mom helping the the son uh, deceive the father and 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 run off, and it's only supposed to be gone for a few days. Twenty years later. Uh, you know he he uh, is heading back towards home. You know it costs a lot. That that divided home. Uh, that that division went over two decades. Two decades. That's a long time to have that that uh, see how that division has has just split that family so bad that they weren't even in contact with each other. Then you look at Jacob's life. Jacob goes to Uncle Laban's house, right? And he falls in love with Rachel. And he tells Laban that I'll serve you for seven years for her. And we know the story, right? He gets tricked and he gets Leah. Uh, and then he has to serve another seven years. But it's only a week that he has to wait to get uh, to get Rachel. But he agrees to serve another seven years on credit. And he finally gets it. But what happens? He loves Rachel more than Leah, right? So the house is, is, is divided and Leah's heart is, is just rent in two. And she, she's just, and she's trying to find. Maybe he'll love me. Maybe if if this happens, maybe he'll love me. If I produce sons, he'll he'll love me. And they got to the point where they're like, they're you know paying each other for uh for intimacy with Jacob, and and the ability to 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 work toward having children. It was it was very much a divided home. Now Jacob has his own sons, and now he's playing this game. And Jacob's and Joseph's his favorite son. I'm probably going to mess up the names a hundred times tonight, so bear with me. Joseph's his favorite son, and he's got a special coat. You know, I I wonder if there's. It says that he was the son of his old age, but I wonder if I. And I know. I, I think I know deep down that it's because he's Rachel's son. You know, when he when he looks at his son, he sees the physical attributes coming out. You know how we uh, you know, you, you can look and go, oh, that's a I mean, for me in box everybody's like, you're a Seer kid. Even now, even in my forties. You know, but when I was in like junior high high school, there's no way I could have gotten away with anything. I mean you're Dr. Sears' son, aren't you? You know, he's a doctor in town, he's a chiropractor and oh wait, wait a minute. I know your mom, right? And so there were always those things because of how I looked. So you know you consider when 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 Jacob looked at Joseph and could see oh you know what this this little boy even as he's a little kid oh he looks he looks like my favorite wife you know so just even the way he looked I'm sure you know he's just getting more drawn to him and uh, so you know he he's looking uh, like his dad and uh, his dad's keeping the family favoritism line uh, very much intact is what's happening and and we see that it's uh, not working out well uh, for them you know he's not only favored in the home, but he's given a special tunic, a special coat to wear, and uh, this tunic represented... Uh, it's its believed that it was longer, that it would come down to the wrists, and it would it would go down further along the legs, so it would actually represent something somebody in management or somebody who would, had privilege would wear. When So when it comes down to that, oh, wait a minute, he's one of the youngest brothers, why is he wearing the thing that would show that he would be management or there's something special about him. You know, you think of his older brothers. When you look at uh, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, you know, all those guys. And like, wait a minute, why is he wearing the special coat? What's going on? So there was that, uh, you know, that constant daily reminder that he was the favorite and privileged one. And when he brings a bad report to them, it only gets worse. It, to his father about them, it only gets worse. This is a, a young man, 17 years old, and he's a man of integrity. It's not easy to, uh, and we see he's a faithful steward, it's uh, not an easy thing to go and tell on your older brothers. Now, I will say, as uh, I was number four of five, and when something would happen, I would run to mom or dad or whatever. He's 17. When you get older, things change, right? Snitches get stitches, Right. That that whole thing comes. You snitch on me, I'm gonna beat you up, right? And uh, those types of things. He could have been he could have been uh, intimidated by that, you know. He could have and but he knew. Wait a minute, something's going on. I'm gonna go back and tell Dad. This is Dad's flock. So we see that he's uh, he's a 17 year old kid uh, with a great deal of uh, responsibility, and uh, he's a uh, someone of. Uh, Of integrity, an encouragement there uh, that we can share with anybody uh, that is young is don't let anybody despise your youth. Remember Paul telling Timothy that, and then he tells Timothy, make the gospel your whole life, make the word of God your whole life, give yourself entirely to it, right? So that that, that nobody can look at him and go, see, you shouldn't be where you're at. You encourage our youth, especially the teenagers. That are here. You know, grab them and say, hey, it's awesome to see you here. Because they could be somewhere else. They could be doing something else. Having horrifying discussions with friends recently of what's happening in our schools and what's available to them, what's being crammed down their throat, right? <laughs> we were just talking about it today. Unbelievable. 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 Which, and the, the message that's being, what happened to school teaching the basics that you need in life to be successful and to provide for yourself? That's gone. It is. It's not acceptable when schools are scoring 20th percentile, 30th percentile, and their focus is on, you know, just deviant sexual acts, And I don't mean to be crass with it, but that's what they're, like, they're making a and and these are things that school boards are diving into, uh, sorry, that people are are going to school board meetings and just clashing with them and saying, you should be teaching our children, not be introducing them to these things. This stuff should not be in the the school. At some point when kids get older, yes, they're going to have to learn health class. Reproduction. I get it. Let the parents have the discussion of all the other stuff that's going to happen in their life. It's a parenting issue. It's a parenting. How many times have I heard people that were are in education and they say it's absolutely crazy at schools. The kids don't listen. They don't pay attention. They're rude. They don't care about learning anything. That's uh, this. This is so consider when you when you consider the youth, we say the future of our country. They are They're. They're already here. They're already here. So we don't have to say, hey, in 10 years, we've got to get our uh, act together. And then and then, no, the the adults in, in the United States of America need to repent and be able to go and teach our kids the right way so that our kids could be at the school saying, I don't want to read this. And the kids are the ones kicking back. Oftentimes, these kids are scared. They're afraid to say anything because they're they're in this school, and uh, <clears throat> what's being crammed down their throat. They're saying, "No, you're gonna, you're gonna, you you have to learn this. You're gonna fail." Man, our kids need to be here in church. When we see junior high, high school, hey, how you doing? Encourage them. College. How you doing? What's going on lately? How you been? You know, that that encouragement is is, uh, is going to take them. It's go, it, what does encouragement do? It encourages us. It strengthens us. Then we can take it with us. And, and, and uh, any type of encourage. you guys know what it's like to get an encouraging word, right? We get an encouraging word. You're like, okay, I'm doing something right. Right? You're at work and your boss pulls you aside and says, I've noticed you've been working really hard. Really, really uh, uh, impressed by it. You know, really blessed by uh, having you here, whatever it is. And you're like, hey, you know what? That's awesome. You know, it's 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 a good thing. This this young man is 17 years old. You know, you need a good lesson to sit down with somebody who's a teen. Take them right to Joseph's life. Start, start studying. You know, this is a, a man that feared God. You know, he rejected compromise. We're going to see he had all kinds of opportunity to just do what he wanted to do. Living in a pagan land, he could have done whatever he wanted to. He didn't. He found, and, and we see here, what we, as we're studying his life, the chief thing in his life was his relationship with God. Remember, when he gets in, this is another spoiler alert, when he gets to Potiphar's house, and he has the opportunity to commit sin with Potiphar's wife. What does he say to her? How could I do such a thing and sin against God? Right? potiphar's put everything in it and yes he would be sinning against potiphar and he's like look this guy's place is trusting me and i'm in this position i can't do this because i'm sinning against god and we if you're familiar with the story if you're not read ahead you know god was his his number one then came his relationship with others you know having that proper order in our lives you know it's uh those things, as we're loving God the way we should, we're going to love others the way we should, right? That's 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 the only way we're going to properly love people as God calls us to is having God's love uh, in us. We see uh, if we're speaking and we want to use him as an example to young, you know, it's a, a lesson in victory of in in faith. You know, think of the depths this this young man goes through. And he just nope. I can't do that. I'm gonna just trust God. And he does. don't get me wrong. I'm sure there were times where he's cry- we know he was crying out. By the end of this chapter, he's crying out. But God sustains him. He doesn't say, well, yeah, yeah. Where was God when I was in the pit? When my brother sold me? No, he knew. He knew who God was. I'm sure he had some good conversation with his dad. In the hardest of times, he could have. Uh it could have just turned away this man experienced rejection from the the brothers that he that he loved. He got you know sold into slavery, you know wrongfully accused, imprisoned. You know God uses him in a way that uh nobody would have expected. It's a young man with his heart set toward the Lord, so as we study through his life, you want to encourage somebody you want to encourage us. We can look and go, look what a 17-year-old kid did in his circumstances. I need to stop whining, pull up myself by my bootstraps, and get moving, right? It's easy for us to get in that point of wallowing. You know, there's somebody who can wallow. That's a guy, and he doesn't. It's a lesson for any of us. Verse 4, but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. The favoritism you know was marked by his very colorful uh, tunic. It got under their skin, right? And uh, Joseph's brothers are hating him and uh, he just brought a, a bad report to jo- uh, to Joseph uh, Jacob and uh, now they're probably saying, "Oh yeah daddy, Daddy's favorite went and told on us. you know can you imagine what what the looks at the dinner table were like? <laughs> Think of that, right? You know, walking around the house, he's probably getting shoved into the closet or something, right? There's probably all kinds of that happening. Joseph was going through it at home. They couldn't even speak peaceably to him. You know, Jacob, in making him the favorite and, and uh, making it such a great display, uh, had created this within his family. And it must have been a lonely place for Joseph. I wonder if he was just kind of friends with his sister's. Because his brothers didn't want anything to do with him. You know, maybe he was just kind of hanging out with, with them. Definitely in a hostile environment. But we see what happens here is his character is built through this. He, that he's he's got some pretty thick skin. <clears throat> Verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. <laughs> Things are getting better for him, right? So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There were there we were binding sheaves in the field. Then, behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood also around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and his words. So this, this guy, this guy's in you know, bad shape with his brothers. His brothers don't want anything to do with him. So Joseph experiences this prophetic dream from the Lord, and he asks his brothers to listen. Now, you know, he might have been overcome by his desire to uh, be liked by his brothers or uh, maybe wanted something over his brothers. You know, we don't see the context here, but I wonder if there's a little, no, 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 you got to hear it, you know, that pride. Like, no, you're going to listen to this one. You know, maybe that's it. Who We don't know. You know, let me tell you this dream about my greatness. You know, you guys already hate me. Well, you're not going to like this dream. We don't know. I, I don't want to get extra biblical in the conversation. But he he brings it up to them. And they are reluctantly listening to him. And, and uh, they're greatly offended. And uh, Joseph tells them the dream about them binding sheaves. And, and uh, his sheaves stands up and their sheaves stand up and then bow down to him. And uh that's a symbol of him reigning over them, and they they already hate him you know he's dad's favorite, he's got the special jacket now he's having special dreams telling us we're gonna serve him. you know we already don't like him, we don't want to listen to him already and and uh we understand that this is certainly prophetic, and uh, we see it unfold in in Joseph's life and God is working through the trial that he's he's currently facing with his brothers and uh, the thing his brothers don't understand is, as that happens it saves their own lives but they don't want to hear any of it verse 9 then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said look I have dreamed another dream and this time the sun the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me so he told it to his father And his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I, your brothers, indeed come and bow down to you before uh, it down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept it in mind. So we have another prophetic dream this one of the sun, the moon, and eleven stars uh, bowing down. Now it mentions your mother, and we just studied in 35 that Rachel passed. Some believe that this is kind of going. This this uh, story is is reflecting on the past. Uh, it, it might be either way. Uh, the scripture we know still was fulfilled. Uh, did it speak of somebody who might have stepped in as a motherly role, like Bilha, who was? Uh, the uh his mother's servant at the time her his maid's her, mur- uh, her maid servant you know, I'm trying to put three different words together apparently whatever it was uh it didn't change the outcome and uh the scripture is still accurate either way uh you know this uh, might not be in chronological order it might be but otherwise I I think uh, you know a, a thought might be it might be billhop but either way um, it doesn't necessarily matter who is there. We know that the dream itself is speaking of the father, the mother, the children bowing down, and that ends up happening <clears throat> in his life. Must have been tough to tell his dad. Probably knew how his brothers were going to respond, but to go to your father and say, "Hey, dad, I <laughs> had a dream," <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, that's that's quite a dream. And uh you're gonna make yourself subject to me. But it's a prophetic dream. He has to and so Jacob rebukes him, his brothers envied him, but Jacob kept it in mind, right? Don't forget, Jacob had his own dreams, didn't he? Jacob had his own experiences with the Lord. We see in the scriptures sometimes that you know when when you consider when uh when the stories we're, uh, we're told of Jesus being a young boy or even a baby and, and uh, that Jacob, uh, sorry, that uh, Joseph, see, there we go again, that Joseph and Mary, and Mary's just keeping things, like she's watching things and she kept it in mind, right? When, when the Magi came and everything, she's just keeping it in mind. This is another thing, like, okay, something's going on here. So Jacob himself is doing that. So Jacob can't discard it. And they couldn't understand how this would come about, but God did. And, you know, there's a miraculous series of events that unfold to bring this to fruition, right? Nothing short of miraculous. He had to interpret dreams while he's in prison for something he didn't do after being sold by his brothers into slavery, right, (laughs) to get to there. That's a miracle that the guy survived. That Potiphar didn't take off his head when when he could have. When his brothers decided not to kill him. Let's just chuck him in the ditch and sell him. Sorry, spoiler alert, I know. But it's, you know, God elevates him to second in command of Egypt, the most powerful nation at the time. From Literally from the depths of the pit. Only God can do something like that. The prophecy comes true, and as it does, it saves the whole family. Now, things take a very uh, much darker turn here as we continue in verse 12. Then his brothers went and freed their, uh, and fed, my goodness, then his brothers went and fed their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, here I am. Then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron and he went to Shechem. Now, Shechem's going to sound familiar because we recently went there. Things didn't go so well last time Shechem is mentioned, right? All the males end up dying and then they take the women, children and everything they own and they... Uh, make them servants, and uh, they just take everything else, and, and that's now added to whatever they possess. So Shechem uh, shows a dark side of Simeon and Levi. And uh, we understand that the, uh, that uh, Jacob rebuked them so bad in, in Genesis 49, saying that they were cruel men, wicked men. So that when he's going back to Shechem... Ah, uh, things weren't well, and uh, so he's he's headed that way, and uh, he decides to send Joseph to check on the flock, see what's going on. He trusted Joseph enough to go check on the other brothers. He knew, I'm sure Jacob knew that those guys didn't get along the best, but he's still saying, "Hey, you know what? You're the one that's he's kind of the foreman, the 17-year-old foreman of the family, right? <clears throat> you know that's ah, uh, so he goes and he trusts him and and." Uh, And he gets sent over there, and and, uh, Jacob's family's out of control. We've already studied that. And Joseph's in submission to his father, and he's living obediently to his father. And we see here in verse 15 that as he shows up there, verse 15 says, Now a certain man found him, and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. So here's the 17-year-old, and it says he's wandering. So one thing we understand about Joseph, he's not the guy you want to give the map to, right? He's just wandering around the field just trying to figure things out, right? So he's wandering and as he's wandering out there uh, he, uh, a man finds him and, and uh, in a caring gesture something uh, and does something kind for him and says hey you know what's going on here and helps him points him in his brother's direction said hey they're 10 15 minutes uh, uh, westward from here and uh, Joseph uh, just says hey thanks I appreciate it and he heads on his way verse 18 now when they saw him afar off even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. Then they said to one another, look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we shall say, uh, some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what becomes of his dreams. I mean, This is, this is awful. You know, his, his brothers see his colorful tunic. You know, they can pick it out. It's not like there's this this dark shadow. He's he's glowing pretty much with this thing. And they look and they see this thing. They see all the colors and they go, oh, here comes the dreamer. And they don't want anything more. To They've had enough of him. And uh, even before he came near, you know, he's instantly bugging him. He didn't even, like, they. you don't even have to have a bad day between these guys for them to not like him. I, I don't know about you guys, but growing up sometimes you just knew. Sometimes in the morning... I'm not going to get along with these guys all day, right? And then there's some days that I'd be getting along so well with brothers and sisters, like, no, the the shoe the shoe's about to drop. Something's going to happen, right? These guys didn't have to wait for that. They woke up and hated him. He- they just hated him. Didn't even have to wait for it. Even before he came near, it says. He instantly bugs him, and they move straight into a plan to murder him. So everything's coming to a boiling point instantly. It's not like he came and he said, "Hey guys, if you don't do this, this or this, I'm going to go back to Dad." He's just on the way there." And they already had murder in their hearts, right? It wasn't like murder was, was just something that, that just kind of they thought of. That murder was already uh, just residing inside their hearts. They were tired of him, and uh, they're envious of him. We already saw that. They're tired of his dreams. Tired of him, tired of his dreams, tired of his coat, tired of him being the favorite, tired of him telling on them. And then they uh, they start talking about their dreams themselves. And they even say, you know, let's, let's just kill him. You know, how, how deeply envious they are. And then they're like, well, you know, we'll just chuck him into some pit somewhere, is what they say. They're already thinking, well, yeah, if we kill him, then we're going to have to cover it up. So they, I mean, they're they're actively moving in this direction. I have a sneaky suspicion. This is my own personal thing. Simeon was leading this, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll you know tell you why. It's you know when the story continues, I think it might have been Simeon, but uh, but you know it's, it's him and and Levi that went that thought up the plan right to kill the the men of Shechem. I personally think it was. There's nothing there that says that it, it was him leading the way. It says they're all there. I personally think that that, that Simeon had a, uh, uh, that he might have been one of them that's saying it. We know it wasn't Reuben. We'll see that. That was leading the way. But uh, we'll we'll get into this later. So so uh, they're already thinking. You know, we chuck him into the pit. Then we can say that something ate him. And, uh, you know, that could be likely. You know, think of David. You know, he had to fight off a lion and a bear. You know, it's likely that something might, you know, come and it's hungry and, and eat him up. You know, so they're 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 devising this plan. We know that they were good at doing that. We know Simeon and Levi thought up the plan. Hey, why don't you guys go? We'll 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 exchange wives and, and daughters and all that stuff, and we'll do all this stuff, we'll trade with and one another. You guys just have to go get circumcised and then we can start working on deals after that. They incapacitate those guys and then they go in. Very, very smart. You know, they, they these were not stupid guys. They were very crafty. So they, they come up with this plan and they're already thinking of, of what they would do. And they say, you know, basically they'll say, we shall see what, shall, what will become of his dreams. That's not like a, I wonder what's going to happen. They're saying, I don't believe in his dreams. And this is, this is a mockery. They, they, uh, they're saying his dreams are nothing. Those dreams aren't going to mean anything. As soon as he gets here, those dreams meant nothing. And that guy that we didn't like, you know, daddy's favorite, is not going to be there anymore. And we'll see what he thinks of his dreams then. That's what they're saying. It's not like, a, I wonder what's going to happen with his dreams. They didn't believe it at all. This is, this is uh, you know, um, coming from right here, this is all mockery. And it's coming out of their mouths, right? And I know we've said this about uh, a few times recently, but the murder that's just being breathed out of them is in their heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, one spe- the mouth speaks. Right, so it's not it's not like they just you know got mad. This is this has been just boiling in their hearts. They have murder just sitting there. They're just wicked. They hate this guy so much. They just want to kill him, throw him in a ditch, break their dad's heart, and uh, and lie uh, about it and and cover it up. That's what they that's what they want to do. They're just boom. Hey, let's do this. And they're they're getting ready to, and as they're talking about it, and they're saying, yeah, yeah, we can just da 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 da. We see here in verse twenty one. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness. Do not lay a hand on him. That uh, uh, do not lay a hand on him. And then it says that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So. Reuben is recorded in verse in, in chapter 35 uh, committing a terrible sin against his father and uh, sleeping with Bilhah. Remember we covered that. And all it says there at the end of 35 near the end of 35 is that uh, Jacob heard about it. Jacob knew okay and that comes out in the blessings and in 49, Genesis 49, the Lord uh, sorry then uh, Jacob comes out and, and brings it out of who this man was. So Reuben's the oldest. You know, he's, he's one that, that holds some, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, when you, uh, growing up and everything, I knew uh, my oldest brother is, uh, he's seven years older than I am. So am I going to win a fight with him when I'm seven? <laughs> he's 14? No. But, you know, as you extend that out and everything, you know, you, you the the oldest kind of creates their their dominance in the house, right? Uh, but we had an oldest sister, but the, definitely the strongest was our uh, my oldest brother, and uh, uh, my uh, next oldest brother would probably contend to that, but uh, yeah, that's how they do it. But but uh, he definitely has some pull around the house. He's the oldest. He's a, uh, the the oldest guy there. He hears it, and he's he's trying to distract everybody. And uh, he he's he's telling him, hey, let's not kill him. He's so we know he's not on board with this. And, uh, you know, we don't even need to beat him. Let's just chuck him into a into a pit. Let's just do that. And it says here that he had a plan to be able to deliver him and bring him back to his dad safely. You know, we uh, we know that his intent was to save Joseph's life and distract him. You know well enough and long enough so that he could do so, and uh he's no doubt nervous as Joseph's approaching uh we see here that um that he that Reuben has to come back though so there's there's something here that says that Reuben steps away. don't know what the, what he did or anything, but when Reuben comes back into this scene and he finds out that his brothers did what they do here. Then uh you know he's just saying, "What did you guys do and so let's let's uh let's move toward that verse twenty three so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty, there was no water in it, then they sat to eat <laughs> to eat a meal. And uh, they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bringing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So these guys grab a hold of him. They can't wait. As soon as he gets there, uh, the the first thing they do is rip off that jacket they hate so much, much, that tunic coming right off. It says that they they immediately, they stripped him of the tunic. They took it right off him. You know, that thing that was a reminder every day. Every day they saw that thing. And they hated it. It was a reminder of Jacob's favoritism. And they couldn't get it off him fast enough. And and, uh, they take him and they throw him into an empty pit. And uh, just consider, Joseph's in anguish now. He's begging. He's pleading with them. They wouldn't hear. Not only would they not hear... They sit down and start eating lunch. I mean, think about this. They just took their brother, chucked him down there. They just got convinced, hey, we're not going to kill him. Let's just chuck him down there. Their hearts are so calloused that they're sitting there eating the meal while he's crying out to them, begging them. And they're just doing their own thing, probably mocking him, laughing. I imagine that's happening. They They just want him over. They've got his jacket. And Joseph knows, he doesn't know what's going to happen here, but now his brothers see traitors coming, and the wheels start turning. And they know, these guys are going down to Egypt. And Reuben wasn't on board with killing them. So they do the next best thing that they can think of. Verse 26, so Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites. And let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother in our flesh. Nice guys, right? And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver, and they took Joseph to Egypt. So Judah Judah, the fourth born is, uh, you know, although he seemed uh, to do some things right, he's not all that right here. He still does something wrong here. And, uh, you know, when you consider Judah's life, we see God's grace. You know, because if if God blesses and uses us only based on our merit, we'll never experience a blessing. We'll never uh, experience forgiveness, anything. So the fact that he could use Judah... And that we can read the lineage of Jesus and see Judah there, and know that he's called the Lion of the Tribe of Judah, speaks of the grace of God, doesn't it? Just think of think of this. So this guy's got this good idea. He steps up, is like, you know, why don't we just sell him off? You know, we don't have to do it. He is our brother. You know, if he's your brother, you don't sell him off, right? Sell him into slavery. Sees a chance where they can get rid of him, but they're not going to have murder on their hands. So, murder's in their heart, just like adultery can be sitting in our sin. Uh, uh, there can be uh, envy, there can be covetousness, all those things. We see murder, and now we see that these guys have a need for money. So, greed takes over. So, he pitches this money making idea to his brothers and you know, why don't we just sell him? We're not doing him any harm and you know, what a what a proposition. Hey, let's just sell our brother. We don't have to hurt him. Still going to break their father's heart. They're not concerned with that as he's been playing these games and you know, they're all against each other. They they hate him. He's the younger. He's the favorite. He's got the special jacket. That's what can bring them to this. So his brothers, listen, can you imagine if Jacob heard them saying this, the fear in his heart? He's been thrown into a pit. They've ripped off the, Jake, Joseph knows things are not good. They're not good. Maybe they're say we don't know what they were saying to him as they're ripping the jacket off. Yeah, you're lucky we're not going to kill you right now right I mean because when you read in black and white sometimes you know we, we have to think of you know what was said it wasn't like these people were being quiet and they just walked up to him and ripped his jacket off him I'm sure his brothers had some awful things to say to him they take him they chuck him in there and now he's stuck and unfortunately for him the only hand that's being offered to him is that they can lift him up so they can sell him off talk about rejection from people that he should be protected by, loved. I don't know if any of us are dealing with that. If we've dealt with that in our lives, that rejection—that's tough. You know, from people we trusted, betrayal. You know, it, it can it can make our heart hard, really. And we can say, "Yeah, I was, I you know, I was going to church." And, I was following the Lord and this and that, and then this happened. You know, if, if God was really for me, this wouldn't have happened in my life. That wouldn't have happened in my life. Look what happened. No, unfortunately, we're in a sinful world. People are sinners. Who's the one faithful one that we can trust through all of that? That he works all things for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose? God is the one we can trust. This guy just got thrown in there by his brothers. And they they only want to, I mean, he's screaming to them. He's yelling them, crying out, begging, pleading with them. They don't want to hear any of it as they're sitting there eating lunch. Then comes an opportunity to sell him off. We got to get him out of there. Hey, hey, we'll get you out. Come on. Get him out long enough to give him to them. Shackles on him. Thrown in a cage, whatever it was. And they sell him off. He's got to take the hand. You know, he's stuck. So they sell him for 20 shekels. Imagine the feeling of receiving your share of that. Right, you know, if you're one of the brothers and you receive your share, you got that coin. (laughs) That's crazy. 20 shekels. You know, did they talk about how they're going to they, uh, divide that up or whatever? Did they keep it in a trust fund for each other? Whatever it was, right? 20 shekels. Imagine that feeling. You know, holding those coins. and Definitely have conscience screaming at them. Remember the guy that got paid for betrayal, right? He went out and hung himself. Judas, when he got his 30 pieces of silver. It was different when he got the money right got the money and he committed that these guys there's no going back they went one way those traders went the other way they'd have to go all the way to egypt to try to find their their brother but they paint themselves into a corner and they can't because their brother didn't come back and now they got to make up a story that's tough So, I imagine as they're walking back, they're saying, I "Wonder what he thinks of his dreams now. <laughs> now he's going to go be a slave. You know, he thought mom and dad and us, all of us, are going to bow down to him. We're not going to do that. Wonder what he's thinking. You know the, the discussions they're having on the way back. We don't know, but Joseph's taken away to Egypt. Verse 29. Then Reuben returned to the pit." And indeed, Joseph was not in the pit. So Reuben wasn't there when he was sold off and he tore his clothes and he returned to his brothers and said, the, the, the lad is no more. And I, where shall I go? So he had gone away and he comes back and and uh, Joseph's gone. His heart sinks. He's ripping his clothes and he's already committed great sin. Uh, we, we know that he's done this in his life and, and um now he had to be a part of not telling his father the truth. You know, watching his dad's just countenance just melt. And his heart melt and his dad just just be, uh, as, we, as we'll see here, uh, just broken. And now he's got to be a part of it. Verse 31. You know, the deed's done, Joseph's gone. So they took Joseph's tunic, killed the kid of the goats. And dipped the tunic in the blood. And they sent the tunic of many colors. Uh, and they brought it to their father. And said, we've found this. Do you know whether it's your son's tunic or not? <laughs> and he rec- recognized it and said, it is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Jacob is t- oh, sorry. Joseph is torn in pieces. Then Jacob... Tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. Thus his father wept for him. So when Reuben gets there and they talk to all the brothers, they've got to do the deed. And they... Uh, grab the tunic, and uh, they've got to tie up loose ends, right? They can't have anything here. They've got this tunic here, and if it's just unripped, doesn't have any blood on it or anything, then uh, we're never going to get this by. So they take of dad's goats, they steal it, and uh, they uh, commit of act of violence against that just to cover their own sin. Yeah, they take that thing that, uh, you know, yeah, it was probably going to be eaten or whatever, uh, later down the road, but you know it's just kind of doing its thing. And these guys, to cover their own sin, have to steal from dad, kill that thing, take the blood, dip the tunic in it. You know, so they they do it, and the tunic gets returned uh, to Jacob. You know, they now they have to deceive their father, and they have to have fake worry, and 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 uh, just just think of how exceedingly wicked this all is. Oh, we're so sorry dad we're so sorry and just watching him you know with the death of a child you know they they knew they caused it and uh they had now to contend with their own conscience they couldn't go back they betrayed their father betrayed their brother and uh you know shameful and wicked and jacob's inconsolable he, he nobody they're trying to come to his sons daughters and they're trying to to comfort him and he he's tearing his clothes and he's mourning many days in sackcloth on his way sackcloth is a coarse material made of goat's hair it's on his lap that doesn't sound comfortable very uncomfortable and sackcloth was used uh, for heart, heartfelt sorrow you know so when you when you consider you guys have heard sackcloth and ashes right so you have sackcloth that, uh, that was that, a very coarse material, and ashes would signify desolation and ruin. So he's on the part of sackcloth, and he's inconsolable. But if you put those two together, sackcloth and ashes, uh, they could be used as a public sign of repentance and humility. When, when someone would do that, it was an outward sign of what was happening inside their lives. And he's refusing to be comforted. The son that reminded him of Rachel is gone. You know, Rachel's oldest son. We know Benjamin came when uh, uh, when Rachel died. But that, that son is gone. I shall go down to my grave and uh, to my son in mourning. That's bitter anguish and torment on his soul. And the guilt is on his sons. It's a tough spot. He's just going about his day and to find out, wait a minute. You know, they come back, blood all over the tunic. And yeah, that's his jacket. That's his. And to go through everything and just to think those brothers had to hold the line on that lie. They had to go through with it for years. Nobody better tell dad. I'm sure there might have been a threat or two. Right? No, you're just as guilty as me. You better not tell. That's, a, that's an awful, awful thing they just did to their dad. Awful. Verse 36. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. So the Midianites, uh, you know, they take him down to Egypt. They sell him to Potiphar, a captain of the guard. You know, can you imagine being in J- in Joseph's situation? Got sent away by dad. He'd walked a long way and uh, couldn't find his brothers. When he finds them, they've got nothing but violence for him. They throw him in the pit. They drag him out. They sell him to strangers. Then they drag him off to Egypt. When he gets to Egypt, he has no idea what's going to happen in his life. He gets sold off to Potiphar. He was human trafficked. That's a pretty popular thing. A topic, thankfully, uh, right now, instead of that underground. You guys heard of, uh, you know, all these uh, like Operation Underground Railroad and all these things. Tim Tebow Foundation. You know, you want to you want to support something. Look into the Tim Tebow Foundation. Hundred percent of what's given to support that goes right to it. They raise their money on other things. They use that to help these these, uh, uh, you know, man, men, women, uh, children that are taken away, that they've freed that money goes go straight to them. And I'm not like, in, this isn't like this big endorsement or anything, but I would pray about it. If you want to support something, you know, look into that, but think of the, the fear often what happens is these young women or, uh, little girls or sometimes even little boys, families can't afford them. So they sell them off sell them into sex slavery. They're dragged away. They have no idea where they're going. They have no idea what's going to happen to them. And they're they're at the mercy of whoever is there. This is a 17-year-old boy. 17. He has no idea what's going on. He hasn't experienced anything like this in his life. Now he's in a cage or, or shackled, no longer free, and he's in Egypt, a foreign land. Imagine think of yourself where you were at with 17 years old, right? Imagine being 17, rejected, sold off. You got to fend for yourself and you get sold to a captain of the guard. And now uh, you've got to, okay, so you've, you've been, you're now no longer in your family. You've been sold off to the Midianites and now you're, you've been sold again, twice. He's been sold twice. Short span of time. We don't know how long it took him to get there or whatever else was going on. When he gets there, he's got to experience the whole uh, of, I don't know what was going to happen to me. And now here he is. He's in Egypt, gets sold again. Uncertain future. We can be at a time where our circumstances uh, might have been unfortunate and uh, may have been tough. We may know people that are in those circumstances. We can bring them here. We can be encouraged and understand. We know that God was at work. God hadn't forsaken Jacob. His brothers did. They hated him so much they sold him off. To sl- I mean, it, there's the joke within families. Like, uh, you, you know, that, oh, you know, hey, we're just going to go sell you. Off. I remember saying that to my little sister. It was awful. I'm like, oh, no, we're going to sell you. You get all worried and everything. And They actually did it. They sold him off. They didn't care what happened to him. They had absolutely no regard for his life. They sold him off. And he gets dragged away there. We understand that God was at work. You know, Joseph was not forsaken by God. He was betrayed by his brothers. He he got sold off, but God wasn't done with Joseph. Jo- God wasn't done with Joseph. He's j- actually just beginning. Yeah, you know, this was just like the start. God knew that this was going to happen and God's already got it. his plan is in motion. This is a miraculous thing that we study here. Joseph doesn't do anything crazy. He receives some dreams from the Lord. But he's just a, he's a 17-year-old kid that God's, God was speaking to him in those dreams. I wondered, you know, did Joseph sit there and go, I thought I had those dreams. I thought I knew what those dreams meant. I, I didn't know what they meant, but did that mean nothing? Because these guys were going to kill me and now I'm a slave. I guess I didn't know. You know, it, it, it's, it's crazy. What they intended for evil, we'll see. God intended for good. Let us learn a lesson of God's faithfulness through this. But that's the story for tonight. You know, that's that's quite a bit. I love, I love studying about Joseph's life. 17-year-old boy. A boy that's, that's a young man of integrity that would do what was right, even though it wasn't popular. That's a story. And what did it, it cost him? Everything. It literally cost him his freedom. But he was, he would, I mean, if, if we're not encouraged by that, go back and read it again and then read the next few chapters because there's a lot of encouragement here. And we see God honoring him and God, God using him. Even when it seems, I mean, when, when you're at that point where you're a slave in Egypt uh, for a captain of the guard, you're nobody. You're nobody. You know, it, it, thinking, oh, you know what? I thought this was going to happen in my life. I thought God had spoke to me; He was going to do this, and now I'm at this point in my life. I guess He wasn't going to. And God's like, no, I work all things for good for those who are called according to His purposes. How he was conversing during time with the Lord. Yep. No doubt crying out. Yep, absolutely. Yep, let's pray. Father, we, uh, we uh, thank you for this. So many reminders. Lord, we may have been wronged in our lives. May have questioned what you've told us in our lives. Your faithfulness. We ask you, Lord, that you would remind us of accounts like this in joseph's life your scriptures from romans eight twenty eight, reminding us that you're working for our good help us to trust you to walk lord and, and, and follow you no matter what to be people of integrity that we would do and say the right thing Thank you, Lord. We pray that you would bless us, keep us safe on our ride home, and bring us back together again. In Jesus' name, amen. Before anybody gets up,